In today's episode, we are going to go ahead and talk about a little bit more nuanced of a subject. And that's the idea of giving our kids choice when it comes to what they eat, when they eat, where they eat, and how much they're eating. Now, we are going to dive in with a question that came from a mom from a former group coaching program I ran where she was asking about allowing her kids to choose a meal or a snack a few times a week and how does this fit with the division of responsibility or a responsive feeding approach, if at all. Also, some subsequent questions that came up in the conversation are things like, how do we handle it if we do give them the choice? And then as kids, they change their mind over the choice they made. So we're going to go ahead and listen into this segment from the group coaching conversation, and then I'll unpack it a little bit further so that you can navigate, is it an appropriate option for you and your to begin offering your kids some guided choice? Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Kaylin's other question was, what are your thoughts on including kids in choosing meals like once a week or giving choices like today? Can you have apples or oranges for snack with a learning food? Or should you just pick one and let them choose whether or not to eat it? I love this question because I absolutely think choice can be a good thing. My, my disclaimer there would be, you give them options between two things and you have to be willing to follow through with whatever those options are. So I would not kind of give a free for all of what do you want for dinner tonight? That's too many choices for a child in general. And yet they'll probably choose the same one or two every night, but you may or may not want to follow through with what they're doing. And again, that would be giving them the role of what is being offered. So what instead we want to do within the division of responsibility is we can include our kids in choosing meals and, I can't remember what week this is talked about, but one of the script suggestions is even about addressing when your kid's like, I don't like this. I don't want this. This is not my favorite, things like that. It's great when we can begin including our kids in choosing meals or including them and them knowing that they are a part of the menu building process to be able to say, I know every night's not going to be your favorite. Tonight's daddy's favorite. Tomorrow will be yours. Remember you asked that we have spaghetti or whatever it might be. So it's a great way to help them See that they're, for them to know that they're being seen and that their preferences are known and being uh, recognized within the family meal structure without overly catering to those needs. So in terms of how to include them, I would maybe say, do you feel like spaghetti or lasagna this week? If you want to give them that big of a decision. I like Kaylin's smaller choices a little bit more in terms of, would you rather have apples or oranges at snack? That's a perfect opportunity to give them options. If for those of you who follow me on Instagram and see like my snack drawer, a lot of people assume I just open up that snack drawer and let the kids free for all and like pick whatever they want. That is not how I do it. If you've read my post on my snack drawer, I absolutely give them two options. They know at every meal or snack, at least one rainbow food is expected. That's just a standard we have in our house. So if they've been asking for a cheese stick or something like that, I will say, maybe I let them have a cheese stick and then I give them the option between, to Kaylin's point, like an apple or an orange. 
or whatever the example might be, but I would, I think it's perfectly fine to give them options from two. I wouldn't give them more than two options. And that kind of helps you steer them towards filling in those nutritional gaps as you see fit. If your child is asking for something, again, we'll talk about this in all the coming weeks, but if your child is asking for something that's not being offered, you can always just defer to a later eating opportunity. You can say, that sounds really good. Maybe we have that tomorrow for a snack or, oh, I forgot we haven't had that for a while. Let's make sure to get it at the store. You can always defer to the future and then you can follow through to show them like you're recognizing what they're asking for and what they're wanting to choose at a given meal or snack or something like that. Does that help, Kaylin? Do you have any more questions? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't... No, that's perfect. I think you went to, yeah, no, you have the, the right mindset on that. So there's another question similar to that around that topic. Okay. If you give two options and they choose one, but they don't eat it or they change their mind right after you give it to them or a minute later. Sounds like my three-year-old. Well, I guess you just turned four this weekend, but yes. So again, everyone can choose how flexible or more rigid they want to be with boundary setting, but just know whether it's the right decision or not go with your decision, whatever it is in that moment. Because the important thing here is if say, I'll just use concrete examples because I think it helps take some of the ambiguity out of it. But say you offer, do you want a yogurt or a cheese stick? And your child starts eating a yogurt one bite and is like, no, just kidding. I actually want that cheese stick. You can decide how you want to respond. I tend to go more towards like the firmer structure because I think kids push so many boundaries that when we let them push us once and they push us again, they push us again. And then we're honestly, we're ticked off. We're so pushed. We're so annoyed that then it just brings pressure and just tension to the mealtime environment. And I just tend to see that backfire more. So that's why I tend to err on the side of more structure versus more flexibility. But as we talk about in module one, everyone has their parenting styles, just the same way that everyone has their tendencies in food parenting. So again, because this is like a very common situation in my own home with my four-year-old, I would say, I gave you the choice and you chose yogurt today. You're welcome to have a cheese stick tomorrow at snack. And I would leave it at that. They protest or say, but I don't want this. I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but you chose this. I gave you the choice. This is what we're having today. You can have that again. And I would really like, I think what we can often do is we get ourselves into this cycle of like, keep trying to like reason with them and we get down this whole hole. And then we're like, why am I, why am I reasoning with you? Where instead I would just continue to reiterate what that boundary is. Don't get all worked up about like, I think think it can quickly escalate if we try and like reason too much, but instead say, I'm sorry, you don't like your choice anymore. I gave you the choice. This is what you chose. You can have that tomorrow. Just reiterate that. And then if they choose not to eat, you can say, if you choose not to eat, that's fine. We'll eat again at dinner and leave it at that. The more involved we sometimes get with trying to cater to them or accommodate them or reason with them and things, I think the more it can perpetuate some problems and like a power struggle that we want to avoid as much as possible. I think it's interesting because this concept of guided choice continues to come up in the literature more and more when we look at food parenting practices and what is considered the evidence-based best practice approach. And part of my take on why this is happening is because if you are familiar with the division of responsibility or this responsive feeding style that I'm often, you know, educating and encouraging you all to use, We look at the parents' roles and the child's roles. So if you aren't familiar, the parents' roles for a responsive feeding approach would be deciding what, when, and where food is offered. And the child's role is to decide if, whether, and how much. And that seems rather black and white. And when we look at Ellen Satter's material, 
and a lot of information out there on the division of responsibility, we can see that the parent is in charge of making those choices and the child is in charge of making the other choices. However, what often happens, and I have new clients that started just even this week, oftentimes what parents are controlling when it comes to the guided choice is they're choosing how much their child eats and they're letting their child choose what to eat, when to eat, and where to eat. So we see the choices being made by parent and child have been flip-flopped. And so something that I find so interesting in the research is us beginning to look at this continuum because we know that there's a negative impact on a child's diet and development of healthy eating behaviors when we food parent from either extreme, whether being at one end where we have a high degree of control and often what I talk to clients about being really high limits, really low love. And so kind of being in that quadrant of authoritative food parenting styles. But then we also have this other end of the spectrum where parents can be really relaxed, almost to a fault where they're giving way too much choice. And this would be where I would say they're setting very few limits. And yet sometimes it's done out of, you know, their demonstration of love and just trying to cater to what their child wants. But we see that on either end of that spectrum, there can be really negative impacts on our child's diet, nutrition, and overall eating habits being formed in those early years. And so what I really want to talk about today and what I want to revisit from this previous coaching call, or I should say group coaching call, is what does that gray area in the middle look like? Because as parents, as we decide what food is offered, when food is offered, and where food is offered, and we allow our children the choice to decide if, whether, and how much they eat, there is still some wiggle room, if you will, depending on how comfortable you are with that and based on what we know the literature says. So when we talk about giving our kids choice or what the research often refers to as limited or guided choice, what we're really looking at, what is the appropriate amount of control for a parent to give their child when it comes to what they eat. Although I touched on the two extreme ends of the spectrum, what I really want to hone in on for the rest of the conversation today is that gray area in the middle of an appropriate amount of guided choice, which is really something that the parent has controlled or calculated or has made some guided decisions on based off what they think to be most appropriate for their child, based off their child's age, developmental needs, nutritional needs, or whatever kind of life dynamics are at play. But the parent is offering choice to their child based off some limited factors that the parent has already predetermined are acceptable options. So if you listen to that conversation I had on the group coaching call, as I mentioned, I usually recommend that we're narrowing it down to two options that we as parents have already pre-approved. Now, are we in charge of what, when, and where food is offered? Yes. We do not need to have our kids buy-in or input or that guided choice. However, if you've seen on some of my recent social media posts, as I've talked through some of the examples that I do with my own kids of saying, would you like eggs and toast or breakfast tacos for breakfast? I really don't have a preference. 
I have already approved these ideas in advance to say that I consider these acceptable based off of a multitude of factors that I as the adult and I as the parent am mature enough to think through and calculate in advance. However, I can continue to foster that responsive feeding approach and that positive feeding environment and establishing some of their own autonomy with what's often called autonomy support. I'm supporting them in their job of learning how to make some of these choices for themselves from the guided choices that I'm giving them. So I'm not saying, what do you want for breakfast? Because as the research confirms, kids will pick donuts. And the research doesn't necessarily hone in on donuts specifically. It does say when we give our kids too much choice over what they are eating, it doesn't usually work in their favor from a nutritional perspective. And so I'm not going to give a free-for-all ask like that to my kids, even my kids who have been born and raised with this division of responsibility feeding approach since birth. So especially if your family or your kids are less familiar with this responsive feeding approach, that would definitely be too big of a decision and probably lead you down a road that you're not necessarily prepared or hoping to go down, such as doing donuts for breakfast because that's what they said they wanted, and then how do you pay? It becomes an automatic power struggle because we've given them a choice and then we're taking it back. But the first example that comes to me, and it's one that I did as a Instagram post several years ago that I might reshare this week just for some reference, is the example of shoes. With kids, how much easier is it to get our child to cooperate, to put on their shoes? All of us as moms have been in this stage with our kids where just getting their shoes on is the struggle. But how much easier does it become when we say, do you want to wear this pair or this pair? Versus when we bring out all the shoes in their shoe bucket and say, put your shoes on. It becomes a process and then we become frustrated and the child is not following through and it's just too big of a choice for them and we haven't guided them. We haven't given them that autonomy and yet autonomy support where they want that autonomy and independence, but they need our guidance and support. And so when I think of that example with shoes, we can take a step back and see how it very similarly mirrors how we need to offer some of those guided choice when it comes to food. So if I'm saying, do you want an apple or an orange with snack? Do you want a yogurt pouch or an applesauce pouch? Do you want this cracker or that? These are very similar, or simple, non-consequential options that we're giving our children so that they feel that their needs and wants matter, that their voice is heard, and that they are a participating part of our feeding relationship and feeding environment as a family. And so this can go a long way. And I think that's why we continue to see it coming up more and more in the research, especially as we learn more and more about the application of responsive food parenting approaches and how we do this on a real life level. Because feeding our kids is not black and white. There is a lot of gray area. Some kids benefit more than others especially when I'm working with a family that has a really strong-willed kid, it's how can we bring them, not how can we push them away with more rules and stronger boundaries and clearer separation, while limits set in love are good and boundaries are necessary, we also need to be working as a team. So how do we do this? We do this by offering 
guided choice as we feel is appropriate to do so. You know, some of you asked me after I posted the Instagram post about asking each of my kids, giving each of them a choice of, you know, do you want this or that for breakfast? Do you want this or that for snack? That is not an everyday occurrence in my house. However, I will say firsthand, because that was a recent example, you know, from my own experience, sometimes I will do that more when I see more pushback. And this might be pushback in homeschooling, pushback in chores, pushback in just temperaments as kids learn and grow and develop, that I'm seeing we need to foster more togetherness and teamwork on this. We need to come along each other more so that the meals matter more. And so while every day definitely is not that spelled out in my house, there are times where one kid feels the other one gets more say or I can tell we're just kind of on a run where they feel like they haven't had a lot of their favorites. And while I am considering different kids' preferred foods as I meal plan and as I think through the menu for the week, there's just some of those times that as parents, we pick up on maybe we could do something to just come alongside them in a different way. Maybe we could do something to offer some of that autonomy and yet support that just makes things go a little bit smoother. And so if you sense that with your child and you're already in the process of implementing and maintaining a responsive feeding approach where you get to decide what, when, and where food are offered and your child gets to decide if, whether, and how much to eat, I encourage you to think through what are some of those non-consequential areas that you could invite them in with some guided choice for. So some applications of this might be those that I already mentioned as it relates to what is being offered. Do you want the apple or the orange? Do you want an English muffin or the muffins we baked this week? Do you want a peanut butter and jelly or a peanut butter and banana sandwich? These are pretty inconsequential. When it comes to when food is offered, structure and routine is one of the most important things that help us establish a healthy feeding environment and routine within our family. And so we don't want to give kids, again, either end of the spectrum of too controlling or too liberal of choice and control. But we want to find in that middle ground some of the areas, not every meal and every snack, but some of the times when it seems to be coming more of a thing. You know, and as a parent, you can see this is kind of becoming a thing. We can nip that in the bud by saying, would you rather eat now or after we go pick up your sister from the school bus? Would you rather have breakfast before we read the book or after we read the book? Really, we're looking at if it's like a 10, 15 minute swing, it's not going to disrupt your structure and routine for when meals and snacks are offered. This is, again, not consequential. It's not making a huge impact, but it helps empower your child to make some choice, to have some buy-in, to practice some of that eating competency where they understand, I do have a say. I do get to express my opinion. And so I'm not having to enter into power struggles because I feel like everything is just being enforced on me. One of my most favorite places to give guided choice is where are we, especially when it comes to, you know, I yes, I have two daughters and a son, but my girls have always loved to do picnics or tea parties or different, like, you know, making more fun out of a simple lunch or something like that. So saying, would you rather eat inside or outside? It's one of the most simple ones. It's pretty inconsequential. Is one maybe a little 
less natural, normal routine than other? Sure. But then it's also a fun new experience that's going to add some novelty and again, some of that buy-in so that you may be making more progress at the meal itself because your child is just that much more inclined and excited about where they're getting to eat. I might say, do you want to eat snack at the counter or at your kid's table? Do you want to eat it on the chair or to spread out a blanket? Some of these can just be fun ways to give our kids some guided choice in a way that, again, we have already decided in advance feels appropriate, especially when it comes to where they're eating, that it's safe. Now, the last thing I'm going to say before we wrap up for today is if you find yourself mentally fatigued and needing to give some choice, this is a great way to do so. But again, you don't want to fall on either end of the spectrum too far. However, what is more often the case is that I see as parents, we are trying to do our child's job. We are taking way too much ownership over if, whether, and how much our child eats. And so if you are trying to navigate that terrain of changing what role you have been taking over and what role you have been allowing your child to take over, and there has been that role reversal, using something like guided choice is one of the ways that not only is it going to help get your child's buy-in and help prevent some of those power struggles in making this transition, but it's also going to help you as the parent realize, what can I control? What is within my control? If I don't get to choose how many bites they had of that, or if they get seconds of this, but I do get to choose what, when, and where food is offered, it can help parents begin to work through some of that responsibility and choice in a way that is going to be really favorable moving forward. It has been a joy having you on the podcast today. And if you've enjoyed it as well, I have a quick favor to ask. Do you mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a written review? This will only take you a hot second, but it truly blesses me every time I get to read what one of you write over there. And it allows me to bless others through this podcast and the episodes to come. The other thing that you can do is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me over on Instagram at veggies and virtue. I would love to see what action steps that you're taking from this episode and also to support your family in the journey moving forward. Until next time, thanks for coming over to chat at my kitchen counter. Remember that you will always have a seat and a snack waiting for you here.